And we do thank you for what you've done for us. And our hearts are tender towards you and our hands are held high and praise for what you have done. Lord, we were lost and you found us. We were dead and headed for the kingdom of that Satan will once possess. And now we're saints in the most high God, headed for the kingdom of God, which you created for us. Lord, we thank you. Yes, Lord. We surrender our lives to you, Lord, for the, who knows, the 1500th time, Lord God. We want you and you alone. But I understand those words that Jesus said to believers. You know, he said, he said, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help our flesh, Father, to become strong through faith in you. And to you be the glory for it. Lord, tonight I just want to lift up a couple people to you. I want to lift Helga up to you, Lord, that and pray for comfort for her. And, Lord, that you would certainly comfort her in this time of, um, of darkness, Lord. But, but uh, she knows, you know, that her loved one's in heaven with you. Father God, I want to lift up uh, Claudia and Ray's son and daughter and baby, Lord, that uh, all three have COVID, Lord God, up in, and they're not here in Florida, they're up in New Hampshire. And Father, we, we pray for them that, that they recover quickly with no, no uh, problems whatsoever. Lord, we just know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we ask or think. So, Father, we have a need in this church, Lord, that you move mountains out of our way, Father God, like you have been doing for the last three years. Lord, we want those mountains moved. Father, those men and women that are, are greedy, Lord, we just pray that you move them out of our way. And, Father, keep this church alive and active, Lord, Father God, because you said, Lord Jesus, and we're claiming those verses that, that you said that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. So, Lord, Freedom Church is going to win over this situation in Jesus' name by the authority you've given to us. So we speak to that mountain we, as we have the faith in you, the living God. And we say to that mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And you said, Lord Jesus, if we don't doubt in our heart, but believe that, that what we prayed or what we said will happen, then you would grant us to grant it to us. And, Lord, the next verse says, because all things are possible. For you so lord god we claim those verses lord in jesus name to you be the glory amen and amen amen uh welcome everybody that just tuned in uh, again you're listening to freedom church at the palm beaches in lantana florida i'm pastor joe trapani we're glad you're on our website tune in thursday nights at 7 15 and sunday at 10 but tonight we got a special uh speaker tonight i'm going to invite jim up here he's going to take over from here i have some uh papers that he's going to be working from so um we'll pass these out justin come on up and grab these there's you give him if you would pass them out for me okay jim come on up um, thank you pastor joe i'm going to let you uh pronounce your name <laughs> everybody has okay. trouble with it okay let's pray for jim father in jesus name we lift jim up to you lord he has a message for your people and, Lord, I pray that you got it and direct it right to all of our hearts, whether we're here at this place, whether we're over the air, or whether they listen 10 years from now to a CD or a, or a tape or on our website. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Amen. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, be here this evening and uh, present God's Word. I'm uh, Chaplain Jim Houchins, founder of Traveling Mercies RV Ministry. I invite you to check out my Facebook page under that same name, Traveling Mercies RV Ministry. And um, I have a, a group page also under Traveling Mercies Ministry without the RV, which covers some of the activities I have outside of the RV traveling ministry. So uh, the last time you saw me on a Thursday night was back in June when I was teaching on uh, the book of Acts. So tonight I'm going to present uh, something new that I wanted uh, the people who are out there in internet land to have the advantage of hearing uh, for three weeks I did a intensive study on the subject of healing to the Saturday morning men's group that meets here at 9 a.m. and um, I wanted people to get the benefit of at least the scripture notes and I've uh, had those posted on the Facebook page for Freedom Church and you can download those or, or print them and uh, I want you to Pay attention to the, the subject that I'm going to present and then look up those scriptures and read them and meditate on them and some of them I'd like you to claim. So we have a foundational scripture which is Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. Uh, while you're looking that up, let me pray that uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit would give me the anointing to present the word correctly and without uh, error, that uh, hearts would be open to receive, and that it would be edifying to the congregation. I pray this in Jesus' name. So um, here we are in a um, Proverbs, and Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. So it would be far better for you to be healthy and not need healing. Uh, we as Christians should be the healthiest people on the face of the earth because we have many scriptures that um, say we have protection. But you must be a believer. In John 12, 46 through 48, it talks about the believer... Uh, we're talking about the born-again believer in Jesus Christ who believes who he is, uh, that he is who he said he was, that uh, he was uh, crucified, dead, buried, and rose on the third day and sits on the right hand of God the Father. That is what he is, and that is what we must believe. And that is what will save you, and is the only thing that will save you. But you are protected. In Isaiah 54, 17, Proverbs 12, 21, Psalm 91, 10, in the Old Testament, people were healed, people were raised from the dead. But we are in a new covenant based on better promises. So although you can claim Old Testament scriptures and the promises of God are still valid, we have new promises in the New Testament that are more powerful. So... In Luke 10, 19, 2 Timothy 4, 18, you'll find the scriptures that I claim. For example, uh, by his stripes we are healed. I feel that uh, that 
scripture is used a lot and um, I use the one that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper and um, that covers the natural world people who come against you as well as the supernatural world uh, Satan and his his minions are trying to mess you up and so there is a natural world that we live in but there's also a supernatural realm that is inhabited by uh, supernatural beings and they are not looking out to help us the other scripture that I use a lot and I claim it every day is that nothing shall by any means harm me and nothing means nothing so in <laughs> when you do word studies on the Hebrew that uh, was translated as nothing it means nothing and the same thing with scriptures that um, or talk about Jesus healing he healed them all when you do a world word study on that uh, all means all so you know you, you can't read between the lines and say well maybe or sometimes no it's it's all and um, there isn't any other way to look at it so if you go through the scriptures looking for healing and you can do this with software that makes it easier than doing it the hard way but um, there are 12 ways that God heals all of the different kinds of uh, stories in the Bible that talk about healing fall into one of these 12 categories I don't think you can find any other so the first one I'm going to talk about is uh, Old Testament the, the law of Moses in Deuteronomy uh, 27 it talks about um, the problem what happens is if you follow the law or do not follow the law if you follow the law you will be blessed but if you fail to follow the law you will be cursed and it also says that if you try to do the law but miss any part of it it's as if you did none of it and that brings the curse upon you and so in Deuteronomy 28 and in uh, 20 through 22 you'll see some of the uh, some of the curses Deuteronomy 28 15 through 61 there's a long list many pages of things that can come upon you as a result of coming under the curse of the law and we see this a lot uh, today in our culture where people have belonged to churches that were very legalistic tried to put people under the law so they could control them and it brings the curse on them and if you read through those curses in Deuteronomy 28 uh, you'll see a lot of common ailments that people have today sore knees boils it, it, it goes on and on and then at the end there's a wild card that says anything not included in this list is is also going to come on you so people bring the curse on themselves don't realize that that's what it is and just think well you know I, I have, I'm having a bad time here I'm sick I've got inflictions so um, don't let that happen in Galatians 3:13 it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law that doesn't mean that he uh, canceled or repealed the law it just says that he redeemed us from the curse redeeming is not the same as cancellation because Jesus said he came not to not to do away with the law but to fulfill it fulfilling also does not mean he repealed it so the law is still in effect if if God says in the Old Testament something is bad it's still bad if he said it was good it's still good but there are things that God says he hates 
There are things that he calls an abomination, and these are definitely things you should not do. They will bring something on you that's not good. And you can um, do that inadvertently with the words of your mouth. As a Christian, our mouth is attached to the rest of our system, and we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit behind, behind our tongue. And uh, that is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So be careful what you say. You can curse yourself with the words of your mouth. And you can say something as simple as, I think I'm coming down with a cold. You will. You can point to your kid and say, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything. You just put a curse on him. He's going to suffer that for the rest of his life until he learns how to break the curse. So don't do that. Watch the words of your mouth. Speak positive things. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm good looking. I'm a blessing to everybody that I encounter. That's the kind of a, of a confession you should give every morning as you get up and look in the mirror while you're brushing your teeth. So I recommend that, that um, those things that you say that are negative just don't edify anybody, and they certainly don't edify the Holy Spirit. He wants us to positively confess those things that God has promised because those promises are for us. Well, this is kingdom principles. Everything in the kingdom works by faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 talks about faith. It says the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17. In Romans 12.3, it talks about the measure of faith. You know, everyone has been given a measure of faith. Well, what is a measure of faith? It's the amount required to do God's will. He has equipped you to do what he wants you to do, so your faith is sufficient to do whatever God is calling you to do. And the Bible clearly says that it doesn't take much faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. So it doesn't take a lot of faith to heal somebody, but you have to have the faith for it. So the question is not how much faith do I have, but what do I have faith for? Do I believe that the scripture is true and that it will do what it says it will do. So God can heal on his faith. Um, he can heal on uh, your faith. He can heal on the patient's faith if you're ministering to somebody else. Or God can heal a non-believer as a sign. So you've got several different ways that faith can come into play in healing. And in general, we are expecting our faith to be the, the, the operative, but it isn't necessarily so. So if somebody comes to you and they say, I understand you have the gift of healing, would you lay hands on me and pray? And I say, do you believe if I lay hands on you, you will be healed? And they say, oh, yes. Well, I'm happy to do it then. But if they say, well, I don't know, it might. I'm not sure. You're wasting my, my time. You're, you're expressing doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief just absolutely cancels out faith. Well, people say, I prayed and I didn't get healed. What's wrong? Because the scripture clear, clearly says that you should uh, receive what you ask for when you ask in faith. Well, unconfessed sin, unforgiveness, um, these are things that can just about cancel out faith and can hinder healing. So if you don't believe it will, it won't. That's that simple. That's a kingdom principle. So uh, in the case of Matthew, uh, Jesus, it says in Matthew 4.23, every disease and sickness was healed. 
there are none that were excluded. People came to him with all kinds of problems, and uh, he healed them all, and all means all. Matthew 5.10, Jesus healed at a distance on others' faith, the centurion. Um, he said, I have never seen such great faith, and he healed the centurion's servant by remote control. He was not near him. He was in another city, and yet the healing took place. So we believe that in the supernatural realm, there is no time or distance dimension, that things happen instantly, and they can happen in any place even far away by faith. Um, Matthew 8, 2 through 3 uh, Jesus expresses his will to, to heal. The uh, leper came to him and said, um, if, if you will, uh, I can be healed. And Jesus says, I will. It is my will. So anybody who says, if, you know, prays for healing and says, if it be thy will, is expressing doubt. Because you don't need to do that. You should know what God's, God's will is because the, the book tells you what his will is. In Matthew 9, uh, 9 2, uh, 6, 20, and 22, Jesus healed on the faith of the patient's friends. You have a situation where they lowered the guy down through a hole in the roof on ropes uh, to get, get him in front of Jesus to be healed. So Jesus was amazed by the faith of his friends. Like, this was pretty extraordinary to chop a hole in the roof just to get this guy healed. But um, he responded to that faith, and, and he was healed. So again, in Matthew twelve fifteen, it says, Jesus healed them all. As he traveled around in his earthly ministry, people were aware that he had a reputation for healing and miracles, and they would bring everybody they, that they could find to Jesus when they knew he was coming. And there was probably something like 100,000 people who followed Jesus around everywhere he went, because uh, they wanted to see the miracles and the healings. So it was a nuisance to Jesus. He would try to find a place where he could go off by himself and pray. But, it, you know, his reputation preceded him. When Jesus was coming to a town, they knew he was coming, and they would be ready for him with everybody that was sick. So in Matthew seventeen fourteen through 21, it says, Very little faith cannot cast out a demon. His uh, disciples tried to t cast out a demon and couldn't do it. Well, what was wrong? It says uh, they had too little faith. But the faith really was, um, like I was explaining earlier, not, not the size of it, but it's their, their belief that it was the right kind of faith the, faith, the faith for healing. Small faith can move a mountain. So when somebody says, I guess I just didn't have enough faith, no, you didn't have faith to, to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. You didn't believe it would work, or you had doubt. So both doubt and unbelief really, really hinder healing. Number three, healing of wounds. Uh, this is different than sickness, um, and yet Jesus also uh, healed people who had uh, injuries. Um, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 16.6, there is a passage that I use. It says, I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. This scripture stops bleeding and postpones death. So if you come upon somebody who's injured to the point where they're bleeding profusely and you know there isn't time to get them to the hospital, 
you do first aid, but you also pray. And this scripture literally will cause the, the bleeding to slow down, and uh, there is time to get, get the guy to the hospital. He will live, but you have to claim it. You have to say, I, I see you squirming in your blood, but live. And it works. So this is an instance where you're taking a scripture slightly out of its original context, but it, it will still work. You know, God's word is powerful, and uh, when there's a need, that scripture will, will meet the need. So in the case of wounds, um, 1 Peter 2.24 is written in past tense. It says, by his wounds you have been healed, or by his stripes you have been healed. It's talking about the beating he received, the, the whipping, and uh, all the horrible things they did to him, which, which injured him. So this is talking about injuries. In Isaiah 53, it's written in future tense. So it says, by his stripes you will be healed. But Jesus did the work on the cross. He said it's finished. And so all of that has been done in the supernatural. And your job is not to go to God and say, oh God, please heal me. Your job is to believe by faith that what Jesus has done on the cross can be appropriated by you and manifested into the natural realm. This is the key to almost all um, miracles and, and healings is that you have to believe that it's already done by Jesus. Therefore, you're not asking God to do something. You're asking for that thing to be done in, in your presence into the natural. And so that is, can only be done by faith. Um, Isaiah 53, um, very powerful scripture. People are familiar with it, but they don't uh, always pay attention to it. And um, it's one of those scriptures that the Jews don't even like to read because it clearly is talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. So as you read Isaiah 53, it starts out, say, who, who has believed our message, our report, that is the word of God? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In Genesis... Uh, God created the heavens and the earth, or really it was Jesus, we believe, who did it. Uh, the Father spoke it, and Jesus did it. it he did it with his uh, fingers. It says he, he flung the heavenly bodies into their places in the, in the heavenlies. So this was a task that did not require his mighty arm. It only required his fingers. A relatively simple task for God to do was to simply create the heavens and the earth, which illustrates, obviously, that God's got a lot of power. There is no limit to what God can do. And so it says, And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So here we're talking about the power of God's mighty arm, not just his fingers. For he grew up before him like a trend tender shoot and like a root, out of parched ground he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should be attracted to him well Jesus was apparently a pretty ordinary looking guy he's just a Jewish rabbi we don't believe that he was distinctive in many ways he looked like anybody else I think but this is talking about how he looked on the cross after practically being beaten to death uh, some some of the reports said you couldn't even tell he was human he was despised and forsaken of men. His own people rejected him. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. 
says, surely our griefs he himself bore. This is the Greek or um, Hebrew word koli, Strong's 2483, which means disease or sickness. So having disease or being sick might give you grief, but that isn't what I would normally say. I think this is really a poor translation. And um, the, there's some reason why they translated it the way they did, but I don't know what it is. It says, our sorrows he carried. This is the Hebrew word makob, uh, Strong's 4341, which means pain or anguish. Well, if I had pain or I was in anguish, I don't think I'd call it sorrow. It might make you sorrowful, but it would certainly be more extreme than that. So, um, you know, if you break your leg, you say, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I'm suffering pain. Ow, man, it hurts. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Stabbings, for example. Uh, you can claim this scripture and say Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. It's our fault. But um, healing of, of piercings, things that stab you. I've got a scar on my hand here where when I was working in a chem lab, I broke a glass thermometer and then it went right through my hand. So it's the kind of thing that you pray about and claim these scriptures for healing. And then do what the doctors do because that's not a not something that you you say well I, I don't have to you know address this wound and use an antiseptic because God will protect me well don't don't test God you know be be smart uh, the chastising or correction for our well-being fell upon him and by his stripes or scourging we are healed and uh, some some translations say and made whole so this is where we're talking about miracles, uh, restorative miracles or miracles of uh, repair. It says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So the consequence of our bad decisions, sometimes uh, we need to be redeemed from them or healed from them. And that is covered by the work on the cross. So it's it's a it's a big deal. This is a scripture that we use a lot in the in the healing ministry. Um, these these translation, what I think they're not wrong translations. They're not ideal translations. Number four is healing by agreement. Matthew nineteen. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything, and it's anything, exclamation point you ask for it would be done for you by my father in heaven so this is a very powerful prayer where you say father your, your word says that if any two of us agree uh, for anything we ask for that it will be done by you and of course it has to be something that's in line with with God's will you can't uh, talk about things that are not not appropriate James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So this is a, one of those uh, two-in-one prayers that says, not only will I be forgiven, but uh, the sick person is made well and raised up. So um, it's a very important one. James has a number of passages that uh, you need to pay attention to. The, the power of the tongue 
praying in, in faith and cursing people by saying words that are faithless. It says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This is not something you do with strangers. This is something we do amongst ourselves as born-again believers. And um, we are agreeing with each other and confessing our sins because we want to be in a state of righteousness. That's the most important thing. God has a real problem with unrighteousness. If you're out of, out of um, fellowship with God, uh, healing is not going to work. Number five, anointing with oil. Mark 6.13, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So we've got a scripture here that talks both about demons and, and the anointing oil. So um, we are a full gospel church. We believe that there are evil spirits or demons, the same, same thing, that inhabit the supernatural realm. They are uh, created to do harm. And, you know, we, we have to be prepared to deal with them. If you are in the healing ministry or deliverance ministry, you're going to encounter people that have a demon. And if it scares you and you don't know how to deal with it, he'll, uh, he may beat you up. So um, this, is, this is one of the scriptures where it shows that the disciples could cast out demons. We cast out demons. Pastor Joe has had incidents in mission trips in Brazil where he had to cast out demons. So we do believe in this church that you can cast out a demon and that there are such a thing as demons. There is such a thing as hell, and there is such a thing as Satan. It's not a metaphor for bad stuff. Number seven, call for the elders. James 5.14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So the elders of the church, the leaders, have the anointing for healing. It's one of the packages that comes with the leaders in the church. And so calling for the elders is a very good way when you say, I'm, I'm not feeling well, would, would the elders lay hands on me and pray? We invite you to do that. We want you to come forward and say, you know, would you pray for me? Would you anoint me with oil and lay hands on me? Yes, absolutely. Number eight, the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. Um, this is a full gospel church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the uh, manifestation of the of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues we do believe in speaking in tongues uh, the gift of healing this is a special gift not just the type of thing that anybody can do but the gifts of the Holy Spirit have a, a great deal more power and it is used in the congregation when two or more are present Matthew 18 through 20 for where two or three come together in my name there I am with you so you plus Jesus plus the Holy Ghost equals two or more. So don't you know, say, oh, I've got to go find two friends for this to work. Nope. If you've got Jesus with you and the Holy Spirit, you've got, you've got three people. Working of miracles, restorative healing or creative, replacing missing parts or raising people from the dead. This is a, a spiritual gift. Some people have this ability. Um, restorative miracles are relatively rare. This is where you have a missing limb. Simply a new one is created. 
Uh, I've seen limbs grow out, but there was already a limb there. Uh, it just got longer, and I have opened deaf ears. So these are in that category of not just healing, but uh, miracles, restorative miracles. Fasting uh, used to strengthen the anointing, Daniel 9, 2 through 4. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. So um, he believed that um, by fasting and showing a penitence, showing humility, that his, uh, his prayers were, were strengthened. And so they are in today's, today's um, time also. Psalm 35, 12 through 14, Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting when my prayers returned to me unanswered. So when you have that feeling that, you know, your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and God is not hearing them, that's not correct. God hears your prayers. There's scriptures that say he hears silent prayer. Um, he certainly hears uh, praying in tongues. He, he understands the language. That's his language. And um, there's never a time when God is not listening. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's always on standby. So, um, you know, it, it's not a situation where God didn't hear your prayer, but why was it not answered? And that goes back to unconfessed sin, the problem of unrighteousness, and, and so on. Isaiah 58, 5 through 7, Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? So fasting is a way to strengthen your... Um, your spirit and uh, make it stronger and Jesus says um, you know my yoke is easy take my yoke and uh, fasting is one of the ways to loose the chains of bondage so um, fasting is highly recommended um, it doesn't have to be a long fast I find that short fasts are just as effective as long fasts for most purposes if we're going to minister in deliverance uh, we'll be fasted so a 24-hour fast can be very effective in accomplishing that strengthening of your spirit. Um, what you fast is also not important as long as it is sacrificial. So fasting of food or, or water um, is common, but you can fast other things. Say, uh, you know, I'm going to give up something that's very important to me and um, call, uh, you know, call a fast. Uh, it's, I recommend that you do that with silent prayer. We, we kind of think that if you uh, pray out loud, Satan is listening, and he'll try to you know, tempt you to break your fast. You don't want to break that fast. So keep your mouth shut about fasting. You're not trying to impress anybody by doing it. Matthew six seventeen through 19, it says, So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, again, don't, don't fast for the purpose of impressing anybody. It's not going to work to um, do it quietly, and um, the Father knows it. Illness is caused by demons. Uh, Mark 16:17. These signs will accompany those who believe. In other words, any believer who believes in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. So, 
in the case of demons, um, we speak, you know, tell the demon to leave. We don't have conversations with demons. They're not great conversationalists. You don't want the demon to manifest. You want him just to leave. So you command him to leave. You may have to do that quite aggressively. If it's a, a deep-seated situation, that's formed a, a um, stronghold. So um, in the case of tongues, this basically says that those are, that's a sign that accompanies those who's, who believe. It doesn't say it has to be a, a gift of the Holy Spirit. It just says that you can speak in tongues if you believe you can. I, I can speak in English. I can speak in French. I can speak in German. I can also speak in tongues. It's no different. So it's just another language. Uh, but it has a specific purpose in the kingdom. And that is that uh, you don't know what it means. So in the case of the prayer language, this is done in your prayer closet. Uh, there's no one else there, so there's no need for an interpreter. Uh, you are simply praying through the Holy Spirit to God. The direction of communication is from you to God, and he understands it. But tongues is particularly powerful. It, we believe it's a, a perfect prayer. It is, it is led through you by the Holy Spirit. And so when you pray in tongues, you, you, you are praying the most appropriate prayer known, known to, to God. When we talk about the gift of tongues, which is a form of prophecy, the direction of communication is from God through you to somebody else or to the congregation. And if it comes forth in tongues, there has to be an interpreter. So people misunderstand this difference between what we call the prayer language and what we call um, prophetic utterances in tongues. Uh, they have a different purpose. So if you are speaking in tongues in the middle of a meeting and the, there's no interpreter, nobody would understand it. It makes no sense. They just think you're goofy. Don't do that. It would be out of order. But where you have a pastor who flows in the spirit and hears from God and knows that there's a message in tongues coming forth, uh, he will stop his message. You don't want to interrupt him, but he'll inter interrupt himself and say, I think so-and-so uh, over here has a message for us. And they can give their message. And he knows there will be an interpreter, or he will get the interpretation. So it's, it's, it's really a, a pleasure to see that flowing of the Spirit operate in, in, in a uh, Spirit-filled meeting. Um, there are a lot of de demonic influences that the Western medical field does not understand, things like uh, bipolar, uh, the person who has a, a deceiving spirit, when that manifests, you get a whole different person. You've got the person themselves, and then you've got the demon manifesting into something undesirable. Multiple personality disorder, more demons. Jesus uh, cast seven demons out of uh, Mary Magdalene. So can people have, have a demon? Yes, they can. Is it a case of possession, which implies ownership? Well, I can tell you people who have an addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography will say it owns them. They've done everything they do to get rid of it, and they can't. So is there ownership there? In a sense, there is. People will say that you can't have a demon in a born-again believer because they have the Holy Spirit. But you have to understand that in the supernatural realm, there are different compartments. You know, God inhabits the supernatural realm, so does Satan and his demons. They're in a different place. 
So they're not cohabitating with a demon. They are just in a different place. Um, I prefer to call it oppression as opposed to possession because people have an issue with that. They say, well, believers don't have demons. Well, when you're out there in the world ministering to people, I can tell you that there are people who clearly are a born-again believer and they've got a demon. So you can accept that or reject it. All I can say is that's our experience. Is there a New Testament example of that? Of a believer who had a demon? Um... We don't know because Jesus was ministering to, to Jews who were under the law. It's a, it's a little hard to tell if the person that Jesus ministered to was a born-again believer in the sense that we say in, in the New Covenant. Obviously, the New Covenant doesn't take place until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we're still under Old Testament law and the Old Covenant in Jesus' ministry, or, uh, earthly ministry up to the point where where he is crucified. In fact, I don't think we're, we, we ratify the new covenant until he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. But um, all I'm saying is in practice, you know, we, we see this. We see that people have an evil spirit and uh, we, we need to get rid of it. So we, we talk to it. Number 10, Matthew 16, 19 talks about binding and loosing you have the same passage in Matthew 18 and it's simply um, saying you know we bind what we don't want and we loose what we do so some churches don't believe in binding and loosing they say well you don't you don't have that authority well yes you do uh, Jesus has given us his authority uh, all authority was given to Jesus in heaven and earth at the end of uh, the book of Matthew and he has conferred that uh, authority on us. This is a kingdom principle. Jesus brought the kingdom to earth. He says it's, it's, it's here. You can reach out and touch it. So all, all, all of Matthew and Luke, he's talking about the kingdom. He says the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. He gives a, he gives a parable. And um, so when the king brings the kingdom or establishes the kingdom, uh, and the king goes out of town on king business, the kingdom doesn't cease to exist. He simply puts somebody in charge in his absence. That's what he did with us. He said, okay, you guys, I've, sh I've showed you how, to, how this works. Now, you can do this even greater. I haven't shown you every possible example. Uh, greater in magnitude, yeah. Greater in quantity, yeah. There's all kinds of opportunities out there to use kingdom principles. That's a that's a trap that can happen. Obviously, your words of your mouth have power, and so you can use them for good or you can use them for bad. That's clearly what James says. So don't do that. You know, it's just flat wrong. And bad decisions have consequences. You know, when, when you do something you know you shouldn't do, you are going to suffer the consequences of the bad decision. You can pray to God, and He will forgive you. So you're forgiven, and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it, but you do. You remember that bad thing you did. You talked, about a, um, you talked a little earlier about a, a people, like some, some Christians who fall into legalism. And so if you have a group of people who are falling into legalism, they've been running around binding and loosing things on people that have no idea that they're even doing 
term is used of power now is actually witchcraft, isn't it? It is. You're talking about cults. You know, they, they use kingdom principles because they're aware of them. Uh, Jesus spoke in parables. His, his disciples said, why are you speaking in parables? And in essence, his answer was because the unbelievers would, would use it for the wrong reasons. So I'm, I'm giving you the message in code, and you have to decode it. And the disciples said, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. And so he decodes the parable of the sower, so they understand how to decode a parable. And they say, oh, yeah, we get how that works. Then he gives another parable, and they say, we don't get it. Well, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, but you do. You pray to the Holy, that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you and lead and guide you into righteousness and not uh, allow you to fall into temptation. Jesus gives us the power to overcome temptation. The temptation will always be there, but you don't have to respond to the temptation. That's free will. So God will not force you to make a decision that you do not want to make, but you will suffer the consequences of disobedience. Sometimes that can be pretty bad. Okay, uh, binding and loosing, you need to study that. Uh, breaking of curses, they operate similar to, to demons. You put a curse on somebody with the words of your mouth. That's a, uh, a voodoo or witchcraft type of curse. You also have self-imposed curses that people put on themselves by saying something stupid like, I'm coming down with a cold. Um, there's generational curses, you know, where you have people who say, everybody in my family has died of heart disease by age 50. You're talking about a generational curse. Break it. Don't be the next one. You know, women, you, you see breast cancer. Every, every woman in the, in the family has had breast cancer. And it's, it's what I think is it a generational curse. Somebody said something stupid back, back some years ago, and it stuck with you. It says it'll go to the 10th tenth, tenth generation. Joe, Joe's shaking his head. He agrees. So um, this, this is common. This, this is, we, we see this here in South Florida where there's voodoo and Santeria and these false religions. They put curses on people. They put curses on pastors. They put curses on churches. You've got to walk your property line and pray over it and anoint it with oil because there's always some wacko out there wanting to put a curse on you. It's real. They come in, and the, the bigger pain you are to Satan, the, the more people he's going to assign to cause you trouble. You may have a multiple assignments against you when, when you are out there ministering and spreading the gospel. The, the pew sitter, pew warmers, they, they, they don't get attacked by Satan. They're not getting any attention okay number 11 is communion there is uh, healing in the blood shed for you there is healing in the body broken for you so when you take communion um, you can claim this say father the blood of Jesus shed for me um, heals me washes me clean and his body broken for me heals those things that are broken, your broken spirit, you know, it's not just physical. Special anointings, cloths, Matthew 9.20 and Acts 19.12, Matthew 14.36. Um, the apron that um, Paul wore had an anointing on it. They could use it to, to heal. 
um, Elisha, when he took his mantle off and hit the water with it, and the water is parted, that was that anointing that was on his, his mantle that caused that. So you can pray over a cloth or piece of clothing and give it to somebody, and it carries that anointing for healing if you prayed over it. And we pray over all kinds of things. We pray over teddy bears, give them to children. There was a woman who wanted to have her husband saved, and she had done everything she knew to do to try to get him saved. It wasn't working. So she got some of these prayer cloths, stuck them in his pockets, stuck them in the, in the pillow in his bed, and he found them and threw them out. So then she took the prayer cloths and sewed them into his, his clothes. He didn't know they were there, and he got saved. <laughs> so some of this is funny. You know, uh, I think Jesus has a sense of humor. There's a lot of things when you look at it from that viewpoint, you say, I think he was having fun with us when he, when he said this. And so some of the things that, you know, the, the way he has us operate, I think it, 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 he was having fun with us. There, there is no doubt about it. In, in my, and there's a book out there called The Humor of Jesus. You can read it and see, you know, these people who, who are so sober, they just say, oh, you're blaspheming when you talk about, you know, Jesus having joy. No, Jesus liked a party. <laughs> so the special anointings, um, in the case of Acts 5.15, Peter's shadow fell on somebody and they got healed. And so um, these are not explainable in the natural. Th this is God at work doing something that he wants to do through you. And he can use your clothes. He can use your staff. He can use a, a variety of things to accomplish his, his, his will. So in conclusion, in John 14, 12, you know, we see that we can do it too. We're a vessel used by God for his glory. So what you do needs to be for God's glory. You can do things that are good. That's good works. But it's dead works because you didn't do it for the glory of God. You did it for your own glory or you had some other motive other than doing it for the glory of God. So in the judgment, those things that you did uh, for the glory of God gain rewards. But dead works gain you nothing. They, your, your works will be tested by fire and it says wood, hay and stubble, you know, will burn up. But the gold, silver and precious jewels, which are good works done for the glory of God, uh, will remain. And that judgment is not for punishment. That judgment is for rewards. It's like a uh, athletic competition where at the end of the games, they give rewards. They don't give punishment to the one who didn't didn't accomplish, you know, the, the best performance. He, he just gets more training. So um, it's important to recognize for the church that this idea is so prevalent that you have good, good things you've done and bad things you've done, and you come to the pearly gates, and they've got a big scale there, and you put your good works on one pan, and you put your bad works on the other pan, and if you've got more good works than bad works, they let you in. That's not what the Bible teaches, <laughs> but it's it's so prevalent. You run into that everywhere. You ask people, well, what do you have to do to go to heaven? Oh, I, I, I've got to do some good things, you know. Well, it's not about works. It's not about the deeds. It's about Jesus, and Jesus is the only way you can get saved. 
So uh, we do good works because we want to serve God. We don't do good works to get saved. So I thank you for this opportunity. It's uh, been a pleasure to speak to the people out in the Internet land there. Um, feel free to um, contact us. Joe makes his email address and his phone number available. Uh, you can drop a message on the Facebook page, or uh, I encourage you to contact me at, at my Facebook page. If you're going to be around on Sunday, I'll be teaching on Sunday morning on the subject of integrity. I think there's a real problem in our culture with integrity. So thank you so much. You want to close the meeting, Joe? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Jim. Good job. Well, Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that your word would go out and accomplish exactly what you set it forth to do. Some of this teaching, Lord, was was beyond a lot of people's uh, insights, Lord. And sometimes, Lord, but your, your word tells us to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, that's what we want to do, Lord. We just don't want to be goo-goo and gaga and still on, on uh, binkies, Lord, as Christian people. We want to be fully grown in our faith in Jesus Christ to not just look at the elementary things of the world, or the elementary things of the word, but uh, the things that that um, are harder and more not so easy to accept. But Lord, just like uh, Jim kind of touched on it, Lord, that that uh, if we say to this mountain, if we have faith in God, we say to the mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And if we don't doubt in our heart. But believe that what we prayed will happen, and you will grant it to us. It doesn't say for ask God, you to move that mountain, Lord. You said we move the mountain by faith. So, Father, in your name, and you will grant it because of faith. Lord, we thank you tonight. Lord, let your words enter into our heart, mind, and soul, and let us meditate on it and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless everybody. Tune in on Sunday, 10 o'clock, okay? God bless. We love you all.